Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. All right, Sylvia, here we are again with you. Another blessed time. I love spending time with you. And today we are looking at the leadership lessons of Jesus with Bob Briner and Ray Pritchard. We're going to look at chapter 18. Leaders are often unappreciated when family, when his wrong one, let me get to the right one. Here we go. Um, They were crying. He has an unclean spirit. This is Mark 3.30. And this is where this is coming from today. But I want to give leader um, Sylvia, excuse me, a moment to um, give us a just a quick introduction of who she is and how she got here and what she does um, for those who are just tuning in for the first time. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Sylvia Blakely with Arise Daughter, and um, it is an organization that has been equipped by Holy Spirit to help post-abortive women and men heal, train, and serve in the kingdom of God. That came about after my own healing from an abortion 40 years ago at the age of 19. Um, And God had me wander about 40 years in the wilderness um, (laughs) to finally catch my attention that I needed to be healed and set free so that I could do this work. Who knew, right? You don't don't have any indication when you say yes to God, but um, gracefully I did. And so now I have a, a team of eight that I work with on a regular basis. And I'm very proud to call them not only team members, but um, sisters in Christ. And um, so we're very excited to be on this journey together to help mentor uh, women and also to use art to help them unlock some of the areas of trauma that um, their abortion may have caused. And that's a little bit of a unique piece about us, but you can learn more about us at arisedaughter.org and also ariseartists.com. So awesome. Well, tell us just a little bit, um, Sylvia, how does color play into the healing? Hmm. So we react to, you know, specific, I guess, spectrums of color around us. And, and there are just certain colors that um, speak more to us than others. I know some people are truly beige people. They feel comfortable in beige. <laughs> they live in beige and, and that's okay. Um, I don't feel like co- color itself has its own um judgment. You know, you like what you like, but there are some colors that we're finding that are universally comforting, things like certain uh, shades of blue. 
And that may be why so many people find such comfort and, and um, peace beside waters, you know, um, just because of the hues of blue or just standing out in a beautiful blue sky and enjoying that. There's just something about the color blue that soothes us. So um, color can have its own effect. Um, there are some colors that people can associate with their trauma, for example. And you may not know that until you're actually doing some of the work that we do. So we very gently go into art, not as an end-all be-all, but as a tool that God can use to help reveal some truth to yourself. We are not licensed um, art therapists. We are certified art facilitators. So we're just helping you explore your own journey with art, movement, color, um, poetry, all of those good things. That's awesome. <clears throat> I love that. I'm not an artist, um, but I have a... Um, uh, there is an, an area of my brain that <laughs> is attracted to certain kinds of um, designing. And Ooh. so, and, and I hate, I don't know how else to put that. So like graphic stuff um, and I'm not the best, but I love to play with graphic stuff digitally and somehow it, it relaxes my brain puzzles, relax my brain. I don't know why it just gets me out of the thinking and it gets me into the locking and the colors and the putting all this together. And I don't know, I can go over there. My mom's, we have a puzzle going all the time and I'll head over there and sit there for two or three hours, just doing a puzzle and be so relaxed in it, you know? Well, Keeps I think you need that as a leader. I do. I, I feel like there are times when you're going to need to um, self-regulate you know, yeah. with the help of God, because of so many things that come at us. And I know you're going to get into that more as we go on. So oh. good for you. All right. Well, today we're in chapter 18, as I mentioned, and on page 52, it says you will never be fairly judged at all times. It is possible <laughs> or it is possible to do nothing but good and still be attacked. Don't expect fairness in a fallen world. I'm just going to open that up. <laughs> And this is a really, really short chapter. My version has just like one page. Yeah. And and it's yes. um I guess you have you're not in leadership too long before you realize this is true. <laughs> Tell us about some times that happened to you, Linda. Sylvia? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm spot. gonna pass it off. Let me think <laughs> just a second. <laughs> Sorry. We, we, we know one of those little Ebenezer's is going to pop up in your brain. You're going to be like, yeah, we'll give you time yeah. to find that. We'll give you time <laughs> to find that. Stone. But yeah, you know, really early on, because, you know, my organization is only three and a half years old. So I think my, my Ebenezer markers are a lot easier to find. But um, I can remember not too long ago, we started to do a joint poem. And I had this idea of how it would look like because every now and then we'll do something collaborative just to pull the team all together and talk about going sideways it was just it, it started off to be this beautiful idea and people were offended and mad at me and and I felt like I, I, I took a couple gut punches you know um behind it but I as I looked at it through that person's lens and I think that's what a lot of this take sometimes you talk about emotional fortitude and emotional intelligence and emotional uh, maturity sometimes it takes God growing us up so that we can see things through other people's eyes and as I looked at this person's experiences and their traumas I could see why what transpired transpired because for me it looked completely innocuous what was going on 
But from her standpoint, it was a complete violation. Hmm. And so there are times when I think as a leader, you just learn to not take it personally. Um, that you have to step back sometimes. And again, this is knowing your team. This is knowing, you know, the people that you do life with, understanding what their backgrounds are and looking and taking your lens off of, you know, why are you attacking me to why is this so problematic for you? What mm -hmm. is it that you've been through that makes this so hard? And when you see it that way, I do feel like the love of Christ can come in because now I can love her through this as opposed to defending myself from it. Mm. And that, you know, it strengthened our bond together because she saw that I saw her. And I think that's one of the, the things that people need to need to feel. They need to be seen and felt and heard by their leadership. And we, if we don't do that, it's mm. to our peril and it's to the ministry's peril. So no, we will not be judged fairly. Jesus was not. <laughs> they they won't get our decision-making sometimes. Sometimes it's for the good of the organization that you have to do it that way. But so often, yeah, maybe we can tweak it a little bit to make it palatable and still yeah. get the mission done. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, how we handle unfair treatment reveals our emotional fortitude. And this is something I've been looking a lot into. Um, what is emotional fortitude and how can we understand it if we are weak in this area? Because I think it goes back to what you're saying, Sylvia, you're saying as a leader, when somebody gives a unfair judgment to you, oh, we could push back, we could fight, we could, you know, continue to defend ourselves, or we can choose to pause and step away and remove ourselves from the offense and allow ourselves to go, okay, what's actually, what's behind this? What's mm -hmm. causing this? Why, what's causing such a severe reaction when, or judgment, um, when it shouldn't be that this big, you know, and having compassion and understanding. And so I think there's an emotional fortitude piece here. That's important that some of us lack or aren't as strong in, and we can't all be the same. We can't all be emotionally strong. Some of us are going to be weak in our emotional area. And we could put on a good front, but mm -hmm. the reality is, is we do need to learn how to strengthen that area. And that's comes with this being fairly judged because we're not always going to be fairly judged. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And I think it, that we desire the approval of, of others, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, sometimes as a leader, you can't, I mean, that's not the goal. Um, the Jesus did, was not there to please. Um, I, I don't know in this Mark three, um, they who they is. He has an evil spirit. It was probably the Pharisees and <laughs> that crowd uh, saying he has an evil spirit. Uh, he knew he wasn't going to please them. And I guess we have to go into leadership knowing we're not going to please everybody. As long as we're pleasing the Lord, that's what counts. And I think that's part of stepping into any kind of leadership is to know you're not going to make everybody happy and um, not try. <laughs> well, right. And we don't want to cross that line. So how easy when we're getting unfairly judged or we feel like we are anyway, because mm -hmm. maybe we're fairly being fairly judged, you know, and how easy it is to cross over into back to this defensiveness. Um, rather than pressing into it as the, the um, 
Linda, you gave at the last um, episode, you gave the example of David and Absalom. David could have easily defended his territory. He understood what was happening because it was prophesied because of what he did with Bathsheba, but he didn't fight. Saul stayed and fought. You remember King Saul when mm. um, David was given the kingship and Saul's like, I'm sorry, I'm not giving it to you. I mean, he didn't say that, but he didn't let him have it. He kept fighting David and trying to kill him instead. David did the opposite. He, he left and he let Absalom do what he was going to do because he gave it over to the Lord. And to me, I see David as having more emotional fortitude in that than Saul. Sure. Definitely. Even after Saul was, you know, was, was murdered, you know, David, David took it out on the person who came and told him the, the yes. story of, of how he died. Yes. yes. You know, there was a respect for Saul that David never lost. And it was because he knew no matter what God had put Saul in that position. That's right. Um, and so, you know, to your point, Linda, from the other episode, he knew that if God wanted David maintained in that position, regardless of who came up against him, in this case, Absalom, that God would restore that. So he always seemed to trust God in those moments. And I think that's what strengthened his fortitude, that he didn't lean onto his own understanding in, in a lot of those areas. And to know that we're getting our appreciation from the Lord, you know, to know that we are have that yeah. relationship with him where um, we feel like we're being faithful to him um, allows us to not be as dependent on other people to give us that appreciation that they may not be able to. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And let's go back to David, because David over David served for Saul. He played the harp for Saul when David had, when Saul had the the spirit, the bad spirit, remember, and David would come in and play the harp to calm his spirit. So, and David kept going back, even though Saul threw a spear at him a couple of times. So David remained in a posture of humility and service to the Lord, whether he was playing in the sheep field with the sheep, facing Goliath, you know, handing the king. Goliath's head, you know, he, he remained in a posture of humility all these years while he was being chased down by Saul. And, um, we saw one time where he was, he, he finally got mad and he had enough and he was going to take it out on, um, um, blanking Abigail's husband, the fool Nabal, he was going to go and take it out on Nabal because Nabal wouldn't, you know, feed his men and take care of his men and provide provisions because they had been providing safety and pr protection. Right. And, um, Abigail came and said, Whoa, 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 Whoa. You don't want to do this. <laughs> you don't want to do this. You're going to have blood on your hands. But for the most part, he maintained a humility, a posture of humility. I mean, this is, sorry, this is just speaking to me. And so that's why I'm speaking this out, but Saul never did. If we can, if we contrast and compare them, um, we'll find that Saul never did. He continued to remain, um, offended through his whole life. He remained bitter through his whole life. He remained critical. And if you look at how the exchange, when David was first fleeing, um, Jonathan, Saul's son went to him and, um, Saul was making all these accusations against him that were really true about himself instead of David. Right. Mm -hmm. What's that called? I don't know whatever anyway it's called something and you know projection. you're putting projection yeah, thank you projection, yeah. yeah so um just being unappreciated so what would be a good 
what am I going to ask here? How to rise above um, unfair judgment as a leader. How to stand above it. How to take care of the offense from it. The woundedness from it. Maybe the betrayal from Mm -hmm. it. I think resisting the um, impulse to defend yourself. Um, I know some of my motives at different times were um, misjudged. And the first thing we want to do is defend ourselves and Mm -hmm. go back and say, no, 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 you don't understand. And, And there may be some times for that, but there's other times that I guess for me, knowing that in the end, truth is going to be known. Um, and that I've, I've seen that many times where, um, sometimes just not addressing it and, you know, a month or two down the road, they're going to see, um, that, that you were in the right and you don't have to necessarily allowing God to be your defense. I mean, that is so scriptural. Um, he is our defender. We don't have to defend ourselves many times. Amen. Amen. I was looking at First uh, John four four as I was looking at this question, Mandy, and, and it it you guys know this one is greater is He that is in me that it than He that is in the world. And so, to your point, Linda, allowing the Lord uh, to fight your battle, um, knowing that um, sometimes you even have to fight against yourself. Right? There are times when <laughs> when the the me that is in me is the me that is standing up against. God's will and but he's greater than all of that and allowing him to do what he does best uh which is you know judge righteously you don't have to worry if you're in the right if you're in the right then it will come out Mm. if you're in the wrong then repent and turn and go back but um let him be him because you can't do that you can't do that heart work that some people some people just are mad all the time, as you were just saying about Saul. Some people are just, and they may talk a good game like Saul did. He'd say, you say, oh no, my son, I'll never hurt you. Mm-hmm. And then return right around and hunt him again. You know, you've got people like that um, in your circle. But knowing that God is watching mm-hmm. and that ultimately he has the final say, you can kind of rise above it and let it go. Yeah. And I like, yeah. Mindy, your word fortitude. It takes it takes that fortitude. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a good word. Yeah. And I think there's a rest in our spirit, if I can add to this. Um, you know, the Israelites got um, 40 years in the desert for not resting in God. They would not enter God's rest. They did not trust him. You know, they came back afraid when they went and they saw all the big grapes and the giants and, you know, all this, all this wonderful things in the land that's flowing with milk and honey. And they came back afraid and said, oh, we can't do this. And instead of trusting and just resting that God had a plan, God will take care of it. God will go before us. God will trust us. And I guess what I'm getting at is I'm thinking about this rest in our spirits that we can always enter into when we are trusting God with our lives, when we have confidence in God with the outcome, you know, and just let, like Linda said, maybe not even say anything sometimes and just let it go and let, let the outcome naturally come, you know, let it be discovered that way. 
And I was just looking at one of the sentences here in this chapter, don't expect fairness in a fallen world. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's profound. And it, it kind of makes me think too, um, we are in a spiritual battle. Yes. And we need to recognize the true enemy. And sometimes the true enemy is not the person that is saying something against us or questioning our motives or whatever, but it is a spiritual battle and we are in an intense spiritual battle in abortion recovery because um, there is a huge uh, harvest out there. And uh, so looking beyond the person doing the saying and recognizing that this is um a spiritual there there are demons out there there is an enemy satan is not happy with what we're doing and so correctly labeling where the attack is coming from it's not the person but it's the enemy the spiritual mm -hmm. enemy right it's good it's good yeah. the final line in this chapter says universal appreciation doesn't always follow great leadership so you might be a great leadership great leader and doing great things and making good decisions and appreciation isn't always going to come. So, but our appreciation always comes from Jesus. I mean, he gives us the call and he is going, he is the one that gives us the reward at the end. So we are just to be good and faithful and diligent to do what he's called us to do. Well, we've come to the end of our time today. I hope you all have enjoyed this. Sylvia and Linda, as always, this is good conversation and I enjoy being with you. So join us again in the next episode. We're going to talk about chapter 29, the freedom to fail. If you miss any of them, don't miss this one. This one um, is really good. See you soon.